Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, January 21st edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Cole Sheldon, on Thursday, Cole. A Thursday podcast. Pretty strange for you to be on here with me, but there's a reason for that, of course. We have a big card this weekend, UFC 257. Can't wait to talk about the card with you, Cole. It's going to be awesome. Great card. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, yesterday's card, though. Uh, obviously, we want to spend most of today's show on UFC 257, but obviously we want to talk about what happened yesterday. Um, what do you think of the Wednesday card, Cole? I, I got to be honest, like it was cool, but it, I, I feel like it kind of like disrupted my week. Like I feel like today was Sunday morning for some reason. It's kind of strange, but I don't have a problem with the fights. It was great to see like some midweek fights. I just, it just kind of changed my week up. What do you think, man? I like watching it. It definitely makes it harder for me because then I can basically only interview like two people on each card then because i have to split it up because i can't really post much stuff on wednesday because everyone's it's all about the card so that any interviews for too much time just kind of goes under the radar so i get why they do a wednesday card i just don't know why they do it this week i think this week should have just been all about connor poirier like i don't think you need another card you could have done a wednesday card to start off last week and done say hey we're starting off wednesday kiesa magni on whatever it was like the 13th then do holloway cater and then the next saturday is connor it would have been a bigger yeah. deal if it was hobbs at leon though i actually agree with you yeah i think that's that's part of it that's probably why they had it in the middle because they wanted to promote kansas especially but yeah i'm with you cole I, th- I think you made a good point there now let's just talk about the fights quickly um maybe the, the or, or i should say picks eight and six not a great name for me cole i think nine and five nine and five if i'm not mistaken so i don't really i didn't really see too many people do that well yesterday i'll be honest like a lot of people had lazes all the touts had Lizaz. They all lost. A shit ton of money on Lizaz. Everyone lost on Lizaz. I didn't lose on him because I said to stay away from him because there was something about a guy going for plus 300 to minus 200 call. That worries me. You know what I mean? So glad I stay away from him. But overall, it wasn't a great night. I think a lot of people struggled. Um, but main event of the evening, I got to give you credit on this one, Cole. You did call the underdog here. Michael Chiesa picks up unanimous decision win. He looked outstanding, in my opinion, Cole. Takedowns were strong. Uh, pretty much just dominated Neil Magny. I wrote the article. I call it. I said he schooled him. I think that's exactly what happened. It was just a different level of ground game. So I was extremely impressed by Neil Mag or uh, Michael Kiesa in this fight against Neil Magny. He looked great in this fight. And uh, we were talking a little bit off air. What's your next one? He called out Covington. I think Covington's going to fight Masvidal. I don't know why he keeps calling him out because I don't think he gets that fight. I think Wonder Boy's the fight to make. Cool. He's available. He's a top five guy. What do you think of that matchup? What do you think of his performance, Kiesa? Yeah, obviously. That's kind of how I thought the fight was going to go. I just didn't know how good Magny's grappling was going to be. And Kessa looked really good, but I don't know why. Uh, if Covington really, to me, he's only going to fight for the title or he's only going to fight Mazadal at this stage. Like, I don't, what does a win over Michael Kessa really do for him? I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but at this point, like, there's not too many options out there. So I think if he wants to fight again soon, that would be the option. But we'll see. I mean, it's. Michael Kess is in a tough spot too because I think a lot of guys don't want to fight him now. Cole, he's kind of like in the spot where he's so dominant with his grappling at 170. Like if you fight Michael Kess, no one's look good against him, so you're probably going to look bad. If you beat him, it's probably going to be an ugly fight. So there's there's not much, and there's not, and he's not ranked that high either. I think he's seven or eight, right? So there's not a ton of upside. But at the same time, Wonder Boy's a guy that will fight lower ranked guys. He fought Jeff Neal. He didn't have a problem fighting a guy who was ranked like 11 or 12. So I think he would take that fight with Kess if UFC made him. But we'll see it because I'm pretty sure he's going to be going for Covington too. They all want that guy. Now I'll get some comments here. Babel fan, who is uh, well, I don't, I don't have to. Uh, do I have to expose your identity? I won't expose your identity. Maybe Cole, do you know who this is? No. Nope. Okay, we won't expose your identity then. 
I know someone went 12 and two. Good job, man. Kevin Scott, 12 and two. Oh man, you guys killed it. You guys killed it, man. You know, looking back, the one pick I would have had been back was the Perez guy. That's the one I, I regretted on. But honestly, some of these were surprising. Like, let's go to the co-main event, Cole. Again, I said stay away from Lizaz, but I still thought he'd probably win this fight. The way that Alvarez won in that first round was super impressive. First round knockout, kick to the body. Cole, three left kicks to the body, and then Lizaz drops, and he just starts raining down ground and pound. Plus 230, Cole. In hindsight, how did we miss on this guy? I mean, look at the odds. They were too high, right? They were too high. Warren Alves is also a first-rounder bus fighter, and Lizez took all the shots of Abdul Razak. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, no way Warley Alves is going to knock this guy out. He didn't He didn't go to the head. He went to the yep, body. He went to the body, yep. We didn't see Lizez is how good he could take body shots. But uh, the whole thing about everyone backing Lizez, everyone knew the first round is going to be scary just because Warley Alves is a one-round fighter. If he doesn't get out in the first round, he – will most likely get finished in the second or third. That's just how his fights go. Dabble fan says, sure, exposed. Yeah, that's actually Marcel. I didn't know it was last week, and he was like, he's like, oh, Mar that Marcel guy's really smart. I was like, yeah, he sure is. And that was Marcel the whole time, so. Oh. I know, I know. It's so funny, eh? But yeah, I'm with you on that fight, Cole. Like, he went to the, it was a smart game plan, right? He went to the body of a guy that, uh, I guess, has a weakness there, tall and long guy. I guess he just looked at him and was like, this guy's like 6'3". I guess his weakness is to the body, like a lot of tall guys are. So that was a smart game plan, man. He looked great. Uh, don't want to talk too much about the rest of the card, Cole, because we have a lot to talk about with 257. But a few other things that did stand out to me. Uh, Vinicius Morea, another knockout loss, Cole. Four straight losses in the UFC by stoppage in the first round. Do uh, you think he's going to be among the 60 guys being released after Ike Villanueva knocked him out? I thought he should have been caught after, like, the second loss. This guy, just you just need to touch his chin once. And the whole thing was Ike actually fought a smart game plan because mm – -hmm. Morea just had his hands up the entire time because he knew he couldn't take a shot. So then Ike's like, all right, I'll just go to the body. And I bet you the body started hurting. That's why he started lowering his hands. And then the one shot he lands cleanly on the chin knocks him out. How did John Allen loosen this guy? I don't get that at all. Like, yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, I don't – anyone that lost him, it does not look good. It just It's just so bizarre. Now let's take this uh, comment. Vintage Alves last night, man. He's scary in fights like that. Didn't expect it. Dude, he looked incredible. I told a story like two years ago when I was in Brazil. I was in the same elevator as him. He fought Sergio Marais in that fight. I, remember I told you about it, Cole. I'm like, I was in the elevator. And the guy was like, hey, how's it going? I was like, hey. And he, uh, he's like, what floor do you want? I was like, I think I was like floor 10 or something. I was like that, right? And I got on the elevator. I looked at him. I'm like, you're worldly obvious. He's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> like, he was holding the elevator rope before he called. He was pressing the buttons. <laughs> it was great. And then he goes and knocks out Marais the next day. That was awesome, man. I, I like the guy. I do like Alves. I always liked him, but. So inconsistent, right? Cool. Cool. Five minutes of cardio. You know he's going to go hard in that first round. He still got KO'd. Jamie Gibley, what's up, guys? Hey, Jamie, what's going on, man? A longtime listener of the podcast. Uh, Viviana Rujo defeats Roxanne Modafferi. I mean, no surprise there. Not a great fight. Uh, Matt Schnell with a really close split decision went over Tyson Namcole. I think we both scored it for Schnell. I can't remember. I believe yeah. I, I scored for Schnell. All my scorecards are at bjpen.com and mmadecisions.com. Uh, here's what I'm going to give Marcel credit for. He picked Akhmedov against Breeze. I really didn't see that coming, Cole. i got to be honest. That's one that <laughs> kind of hurt. Um, I thought Breeze would win. But, again, that guy is so inconsistent, right? Uh, Akhmedov gets the win. Leroy Murphy with another great performance against Douglas Silva de Andrade uh, with the decision. Suma Darji wins the decision over Zaruk Adashev. Uh, Ricky Simone submits uh, Giancarlo Perello. Dalcha Lugambula, uh, decision over Marcus Perez. Francisco Figueiredo, Davidson's brother, decision over Jerome Vera. Fight of the night, Mason Jones 
loses a split decision to Mike Davis, super close fight call. We both picked Jones. We both thought he edged it, though. I thought he did win that fight, but it was super close anyways. And then uh, Umar Nuragbev, he wins a bonus for beating uh, Morozov. And then Manin Faro with one of the better performances tonight against Victoria Leonardo wins a uh, – was a second round TKO. She looked great. She could have won a bonus too. I thought she looked outstanding. Ike so. screwed with no bonus. Ike had the best finish on the card. Who did Ike? Yeah, I don't. I think he should have got a bonus. Like quality of opponent, man. Look at the quality of the opponent. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a high level guy. A guy with no wins, right? So, so bonuses went to Alves and Umar. I don't know if I would have given Umar one of the bonuses. The it's last. because he's Dana's trying to. Play nice to be like hey, has to be because I think that fifty you know, k maybe you'll come back. Yeah, I agree. I think Firo had a better performance overall. I think uh, now he looked good. Don't get me wrong. I just think that you could have given it to him or you couldn't give it to um, who was it uh, Simone possibly for that quick finish or or Akmeda. But either way, whatever or Ike, like you said. But they went to they chose to give it to Umar. So. Yo, oh, it's my boy Kevin, DJ Persistence. This is a, this is one of the better DJs in Toronto. This guy's awesome, man. What's going on, man? For live chat, love that guy. Kevin Scott, Aruja, awesome two-round fighter. She really needs to work on pace cardio. Yeah, I agree with that. She looked a little tired in that third. Still dominated Roxy for the most part. I'm going to take this comment from Marcel. This sounds like I'm a punk, but if Breeze is in trouble, he always gives up. That's why I can't trust him with picks because I think Rock Talent, he got more offered on Mar. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, you made the pick, uh, Marcel. Great pick. With Omar, you're right. Tom Breeze is don't want to say it, Cole, but he's he's kind of those guys that if if the goings get tough, he kind of wants out of the fight. You know, it seems like. And there's a there's a lot of guys like that in the sport, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Any more comments on this card, Cole? No. Nope. DJ Persistence. Yes, keep it up, boys. You too, man. Hope everything's well, bro. Um, all right, that's it for UFC on ESPN 20. Let's move on to UFC 257. Let me pull up the card, Cole, while I get started. Just overall thoughts on, on the card as a whole. Obviously, really good main and co-main event. Um, I'm really looking forward to Azatar Favola, Rodriguez, Hebus. Uh, Saruk and Hacker actually be a really good fight. There's some good fights on the prelims. There's some fights that it's like I uh, don't really expect a whole lot. But, yeah, it should be a good card, though. Is that me or you with that beeping? Maybe it's me. I think it's me I got uh, just two uh, male. Like, oh, no worries. Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure it was me or not. Um, yeah, okay. So, I agree with you. You know what's weird, though? It's like... I, I, well, I've been doing all the articles for it the last two days, Cole. It's just so weird writing Poirier versus McGregor, too, yeah. instead of McGregor Poirier when he's the one who knocked him out. But Poirier's ranked number two, McGregor's four, so I can see why that is. Okay, let's start with the uh, first fight of the night, Cole. Flyweight boat, Amir Albazi against Jalgas Jumagulov. Interesting fight. Right now, it's pretty much dead even, Cole. Minus 115 for Jalgas, minus 105 for Amir. What's your thoughts on the first fight of UFC 257? Yeah, really interesting fight. I've kind of been going back and forth in this one. I ended up sticking with uh, Zuma Gulov. I was just a bit more impressed with him. I actually thought he beat uh, Julian Paiva. I picked Paiva in that fight, so I, I kind of got away with one. He looked him good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, a split over Ali Bagtinov, a win over Tyson Mann, which looks impressive. That Albazi, like, his UFC debut was against Malcolm Gordon, and he didn't have as – like, he did get him out of there in the first round, but just seeing what – Sumadarji did to him and seeing how it really just takes one shot to put Gordon out. Like maybe that went on as good, but he his only loss is against Jose Shorter Torres. He is a really good flyweight. I just think Sumagulov is a bit better. I think he's gonna be able to keep it on the feet. I think he's gonna be more active on the feet. Just land the better shots and, and edge out a decision. Please move your phones, you woke my dog. That's cool. That's not me this time. It usually is me, but it's cool this time. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm with you, Cole. I yeah, well, I was one of the people that had Jalgas against Raleigh and Pilot. That was such a robbery. Come on, that was such a bad decision. I was like, are you kidding me? He should have won that fight. Uh, the guy's pretty good, I think, man. You know, he's a bit underrated. I thought so coming in the UFC because if you looked at his run in, in Russia, look at the wins he had, Cole. Look at the three wins he had: Tyson Nam, Kajir Ulanbekov, and Ali Bagutinov. That is solid, right? That is a solid three-fight win streak. That's really solid. Those guys are all good. Ulan Bekov's in the UFC is doing great. We know Ali Bagatinov is a former uh, title challenger in the UFC. Tyson Nam is, is a solid fighter. So I, I like this guy coming in the UFC, and I did think he won his fight too. I think it was kind of a bad call by the judges. Not really sure why they didn't give it to him. As far as uh, Albezi goes, Cole, you know what? Listen, the fight against Malcolm Gordon, he looked impressive, but after seeing what Gordon looked like against Badarji and the way – you know, you talk about a guy wanting out of the fight, that was a perfect example of it. I'm just not sure that's a great win anymore. You know, the guy definitely has a great ground game for what we've seen. He has some really solid submissions, but I think Jalgas is going to prove to be difficult to take down. And, uh, you know, on the feet, I think he's going to be the more aggressive guy, the guy walking forward, the guy throwing more volume. And I expect him to win this fight. So my pick is going to be Jalgas, Jumagulov by decision. Cole, I do like him in this fight a decent amount, actually. At look, at the, look at the odds at minus one fifteen. He's someone I think you got to take a look at. I do think he's going to win this fight by decision. So that's my pick, and I I, I feel decently confident in it. Quite honestly, um, Albezi's thought bad. Don't get me wrong, but I, I've been very much more impressed by Juma Gulov. Juma Gulov by decision is plus one sixty eight. It's not too bad either, but I think at pick and price, it's not it's not it's not the worst bet in the card. That's for sure. All right, next up we have a rebooking between Nick Lent, or not rebooking, I should say. Nick Lentz was supposed to fight Mike Grundy last week. He got pulled off the card. So he's fighting Mavsar of Love now. Mavsar of Love, wow, he's a huge favorite here, Cole. Minus 495. Nick Lentz plus 395. What do you think of this fight, Cole, and these odds, man? I think the odds are way too high. I definitely think it kind of sucks for Nick Lentz. Because I thought Mike Grundy, I didn't actually know who I was going to pick. I thought that was a winnable fight for Nick Lentz. Because I think he's in a do-or-die spot. He's on a two-fight losing streak. Um, I don't really know if the UFC is a big fan of him after everything he was saying after the Arnold Allen loss and whatnot. But I like Evaloff here. I just think he's going to be able to use his wrestling. I think he's just going to be able to dominate the fight wherever he really wants to. We've seen Nick Lentz struggle against grapplers like a Charles Oliveira, Islam Makachev. Uh, the strange thing though with Nick Lentz is this guy's fought Charles Oliver three times and he's lost twice and has a no contest. I don't ever oh. know why they booked that third fight, but I like Evlov here. I'm really impressed with Evlov. I believe he is moving, or no, I guess it is featherweight. I keep on thinking Nick Lentz is a lightweight for some reason, but uh, I like Evlov here. I just think his grappling is going to be the difference. Does he finish Nick Lentz? I'm not too sure. Nick Lentz is pretty durable, but I do like Evlov, but no way I can bet him at that price. Yeah, the odds are insane. I mean, minus 495, are you kidding me? I really liked him in the fight against uh, Nate Landwehr. I was all over him. He was still a big favorite there. But Nick Lentz is a tougher fight, I think, than Nate Landwehr. Nick Lentz is a tougher fight than Mike Grundy. Nick Lentz is the toughest fight he's had in his career, in my opinion. So I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park like some people think. You know, I think this fight's going to be a little bit tougher than than some people expect, Cole. Listen, Avlov is good. He's a grinder, though. And Nick Lentz, what's he do? He's a grinder. He's one of the best grinders we've ever seen in the UFC. He uh, he's beatable though. That's the problem. He's got a lot of losses, but he does have quite a few victories in the UFC by getting on top of guys or or just grinding them out and drowning them out. And that's why he's going to have to win this fight. I don't see him finishing Evlov. Evlov's never been stopped. But he's going to want to take him down and, and beat him up, I guess, on the ground. But it's going to be difficult to take him down too. I'm, I'm still going to go with Evlov. Cole, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm high on this guy, man. I I think it's a guy that could be a contender, but. I just think the odds are a little bit too high, guys. Because Nick Lentz is a guy with, like, what, 25, 30 fights in the UFC, man. You know? He's a guy that 
you have to give some respect to him. He's got a lot of upset wins over the years too. Not sure if this is going to be one of those, and this is a tough fight for him, but I just think minus 495, that's that's not showing much respect to the Kearney. So Monster of Law by decision, what's the decision prop? Minus 145. I would rather play that call. I don't see him finishing Nick Lentz. Nick Lentz is extremely durable. I don't see him getting stopped. Get these comments. Babel fan, this is from the last fight. I forgot to get it. He said, tough fight to pick. The funny thing is, Jalgas wins against Bogdinov and Uumbekov are robberies, but he should have won against Paiva. Yep. Gopal, how's it going, man? He says, just waiting for a chance to fear Lob. Don't see the hype on this guy. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, he, uh, he's, got, he's got good wrestling. He's a grinder, but dude, he's got like, what, no finishes in the UFC yet? Like, it'd be nice to see this guy get a finish. He's in the same spot as some of these guys, like, uh, Ramazam and Meev, cool. like they're great at grinding guys out, but they don't finish fights. It's like, why would the UFC push them up the ladder, right? So he's going to need to finish Nick Wentz, and I don't, I don't really see that happening. So we'll see what happens, but I, I'm thinking a decision. Andre, hey, how's it going, man? He says, sup, and, and Gopal says, sup, too. So give me your guys' thoughts on all these fights as we go through them. Next fight is Andrew Sanchez against Macman Muradov, Cole, at 185. Right now, Muradov, minus 135, Sanchez, plus 115. Who's your pick? Might not be a popular pick, but I actually like Andrew Sanchez in this fight. I'm just, I know Murdoff has all the hype because he's a Floyd Mayweather guy. I just don't really see much to him. Like, his two UFC wins, Alessio to Jericho, okay, that's an all right win. I'm not really putting much stock into that. And then he beats Trevor Smith, who I don't think is UFC caliber. And the problem is he really hasn't been tested. The UFC gave him two strikers because they know he's, he's obviously a much better striker than what Andrew Sanchez is. But Andrew Sanchez has the ability to just grind you out with his wrestling. I think that's what he's going to do here. We saw in his last fight, I actually picked him as an underdog against Wally Determined, got the knockout. He loses to like a top, top guy, Marv Vittori, Anthony Smith. The Ryan James fight, obviously, not that's not a good loss to have. But he does what he did to Mark andre Barrio, what he did to Mark Brez, just being able to grind him out. That's kind of what I see here with Murdoff. I'm not expecting a very entertaining fight. I just think Sanchez just survived the first round and then just kind of hold up Murdoff against the fans, get some takedowns. And just kind of do what he has to do to get a win. But I like Andrew Sanchez by decision. He looked outstanding in his last fight. I got to give him credit for that fight. He looked outstanding against Wellington Turman. But I, I think this is a much tougher fight. Muradov is legit to me. I, I think he's extremely legit. He's looked good in the UFC, in my opinion. He beat the Chirico in his debut. That win looks a lot better now. And then he beat Trevor Smith, destroyed him. Now, the problem is he hasn't fought in forever. That's the biggest problem for me. He hasn't fought in over a year. I don't like that. You guys know I don't like the long layoffs. So that bothers me. But overall, I'm impressed by this guy, man. He's got a long win streak, too. He's on a 13-fight win streak right now. That's pretty impressive. He hasn't lost in five years. Um, this guy's good, man. There's a reason why Flay Mayweather is backing this guy. You know, he's been beating UFC caliber guys before he got in the UFC. And since he's been in the UFC, he's, he's had some good fights. You know, looking at the cancel of fights he has, he was supposed to fight Carl's Jr., Carl Robertson, Christoph Jocko, and Kevin Holland. So the UFC is all in, on, all in on this guy, and they want him to fight a ranked opponent, but it just didn't work out. And I think that Sanchez, after the layoff, is a much more suitable opponent for him, so I'm fine with this matchup. Actually, Sanchez opened as the favorite, so that's worth pointing out, Cole. You're picking him as a dog here. I can't, though. The biggest problem for me is, listen, the guy has looked good lately. He's, he's improved his game since moving to TriStar. It's clear that he's got uh, you know some some better skills now. His cardio is better. His chain looks better. But I can't forget those fights he had with Ryan James and Anthony Smith. We got finished in the third round. Miradov's a guy that has good cardio. I think if Andrew Sanchez can't get him out in the first round, which I don't see happening, I think Miradov beats him to the punch the longer the fight goes. I actually think he could stop Andrew Sanchez. If not, I think he wins a dominant decision. But, yeah, I really like Miradov in this fight, guys. I think he wins uh, actually probably by knockout the more I look at it. 
I think it might be it might look a little bit uh, more easy than than some people think, but I could be completely wrong. We'll see. Sanchez is tough. Don't get me wrong. What if Sanchez fell in love with the striking after the KO last time? It can get interesting, I think. Daniel Edwards says Meridov too small. I don't think so at all. I'm looking at the stats. Meridov six foot two. Sanchez six foot one. Meridov seventy five inch reach. Sanchez seventy four. I'd say Meridov is slightly bigger. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Sanchez he's he's definitely pulled off some upsets in the past. I just I think Meridov is like super legit, guys. And you know, to get him at these odds minus one thirty five, I think you might look back at it and be like, wow, I can't believe we got him at that price. But we'll see what happens. Okay, next up we have a light heavyweight belt between Khalil Roundtree, who's coming out of a long layoff himself, against Marcin Prachnio, who I'm surprised he's getting another fight in the UFC, but he is. Khalil Roundtree, minus 325, Marcin Prachnio, plus 265. Give me your pick. I don't know why Marcin Prachnio is still in the UFC. His last three fights have been first round knockouts to Sam Alvey, Magman Ankalive, and Mike Rodriguez. Ankalive, sure, he has a lot of power. Mike Rodriguez and Sam Alvey, for them to knock you out in the first round, I don't really see that. that that's not a good loss to have. I think this is a pure setup, just they want to get clear around to when He's talked about maybe this is my retirement fight, maybe this is it. I think he's a guy that UFC likes. Just He's obviously an entertaining guy. Like That Eric Anders fight will be one of the most dominant like fights. Like He 10-8 him like, three rounds, almost 10-7. Like, he dropped him several times, but... I don't think Pracknell's chin can hold that kind of power. I expect Roundtree to get him out pretty early. Just use his uh, use kick, set up down low, then eventually use his right hand, get something up high, and knock Pracknell out in the first. Yeah, in the last fight, I wanted to say I forgot to mention this. Uh, Miradov never been taken down either, so that's another wrinkle of that fight. But as far as this fight goes, it's a pure fade on Marcin Pracknell, right, Cole? Like, the guy has just been terrible in the UFC. Three straight losses by knockout. Sam Alvey, Magomed, Ankalaev, and Mike Rodriguez I just haven't been impressed at all. I mean, there's nothing to like about his game in the UFC. There, there was nothing to like at all from what we've seen. This guy's been KO'd a lot in his career, four times actually in his career. He also got KO'd by Rakic in the regional scene. Um, I mean, he's got, listen, he was in one and he had some power. He knocked some guys out. I get that. That's why he got signed. But since coming to the UFC in 2018, he's been terrible. I'm not really sure why he's getting another fight call. I guess because he signed a four-fight deal and they're like, we might as well just let him finish it out and we're giving him Roundtree here. And Roundtree, listen, Roundtree is not a perfect fighter. I mean, the guy has a lot of holes in his game. We've seen that, man. He has a lot of holes. We saw the fight against Kutalaba, got taken down, beat up. We saw the Johnny Walker fight, got beat up in that fight. But we've seen that as best, too. Eric Anders, one of the most dominant performances we've probably ever seen by a light heavyweight. I mean, just destroyed Eric Anders in that fight. Um, the Gokan Saki fight. I got to be honest, Cole, that was three years ago. I thought that knockout was going to make this guy star. I thought, okay, that's a star-making performance on the uh, the Miocic-Cormier card, the first fight of the night, and he barely fought since then. He's fought three times since then, one and two. So it just shows that one win doesn't doesn't mean a guy's career is going to go like this. But he's got some other good wins, Paul Craig. You know, it's a nice win looking back, too. Um, clearly, his, his chain's not great. His ground game's not great. We've seen him get finished. Andrew Sanchez dominated him. Ultimate fire to win the the uh, the show, but you can't deny the guy's KO power. You can't. And in this fight, you're taking on a guy in Pratchett who doesn't have a good chin. And uh, I think it's going to be a really short night for Marching Pratchett. Cool. I expect Clue Roundtree to knock him out in the first round. The odds on Roundtree by first round knockouts. Roundtree in round one by KO. Wow, only plus one ten. That's crazy. That there's no there's no value on that. Obviously. Uh, that is nuts. That's a really weird line to to be that specific or a prop and not even get you know plus money is just it's or you get plus money but minimal. 
So, you know, if you're going to play Brown Tree, and I don't think it's the bad play because I think he dominates this fight. He's minus 325. I think he should be like minus 500 in this fight, despite the layoff. Because this guy, Pratchett, has literally like one of the worst chains in the division. And I don't think he'll be able to handle even one punch or one kick from this guy. So I'd be looking to play Roundtree. Listen, I don't like, I don't, you guys know, love, I don't love guys at these odds, but when a guy's minus 300 and should be minus 500, there is value. So I, I would take a look at him. Battlefan says he'd pick 100% Roundtree. Yeah, me too. Battlefan. Marci Praccio's coach, Dutch, said in the interview that Marci wasn't mentally there in his UFC fights. They're working on a mental coach and says it works. I don't say it does. I don't think so either. Daniel Everett says Andrew Sanchez, thick, thicker bone in his fought to a five. I'm feeling myself now. I pricked me. Picked Warrior Alvis to win. Good job, man, with that pick. And you're right, he is a pretty thick guy, but I think Meridov's going to look pretty big in the cage, too. Anyways, Cole, yeah, uh, round three by, by knockout. Okay, next up, we have a women's bandweight belt between Sarah McMahon and Juliana Pena. Right now, we have McMahon minus 130, Pena plus 110. Who's your pick in this one, Cole? Yeah, I've had a really tough time picking this fight just because I think both of them are really inconsistent. The problem with Sarah McMahon is like she kind of. Like she doesn't look good. Like she just kind of like, gives up when she gets in a bad spot. Like when she got set against Vieira and Renault. Juliana Pena, her last fight, obviously getting set against Jermaine Duran, who he doesn't look too good. He said she's supposed to be the grappler. And I just don't really know how good Juliana Pena is. Like obviously beating Jessica I and Katzengano look good, but that's a Jessica I bantamweight who really struggled. Katzengano, like, I don't know. And then she loses to Valentina Shevchenko, beats Nico Montano, who I'm not sure really how good it is either. And then get when she fights up, when she fights up in competition, she loses. I don't know if Sarah McMahon is that step up in competition. Sarah McMahon is a much better wrestler. I think she'll just be able to grind out Juliana Pena using her wrestling, avoiding the tough spots of Pena's jiu-jitsu. I'll pick Sarah McMahon by decision, but I think this is a fight where you don't have to bet on just because it's two inconsistent girls and you don't really know which one's going to show up. Yeah, and this fight also, McMahon actually opened as a slight underdog, so the line's flipped, but, I mean, it's pretty much a pick em anyways. It's close. It's a close fight. Don't get me wrong. This is a competitive fight. I'm kind of with you, Cole. I think it's kind of like a, one of those, like, mirror matches. Like, to me, they remind me of each other very very much. They, they're both good wrestlers. They're both good grapplers. McMahon, obviously, much better, much more accomplished background. We know that. But Pena's looked, during her UFC run, she's been excellent with the wrestling for the most part. But they both make a lot of mistakes, Cole. A lot of mistakes, especially on the ground. Like, their submission defense, both of them, it's not good. The thing is, Sam McMahon is 40 years old, you know? Like, she's the oldest woman, I think, in the UFC right now, besides Marion Renault. I think she's, like, 43, maybe. How old is Renault? She's got to be up there, Cole, right? How old is she? She's 43. Holy crap, she's old. <laughs> I don't want to say that. I want to say a woman's old, but to be in UFC and be 43, that's – that's crazy. So good for her. She's a gym, gym teacher. McMahon, we know she's an incredible athlete, but I'm sorry, Cole, but I have to pick against someone who's four years old in the women's bandweight division. It's just an automatic fade. Pena's only 31, way younger. Pena, three-inch reach advantage. I like that too. Uh, Pena, you know, she's a decent grappler herself. She can be taken down. She can be controlled. That's the problem here. If McMahon can just grind her out like she did to Landsberg maybe, that's, I guess, how she'd win this fight. But maybe just push her against the fence like she did in that fight too. But I think Pena can stop some of the takedowns and just make it a dirty fight. Actually, just win basically on cardio alone. That's how I think she wins. I think she wins on cardio, just and and grinding ability. So I do think it goes the distance. Very likely, I believe, even though they both aren't good at a submission defense. But at the end of the fifty minutes, I think Pena will probably win the last two rounds and win a decision. I just. Even though she's a dog, I don't have a ton of interest in betting on this fight just because 
I think it's extremely close fight, and the judges will come to play. And it could be a split decision where you're just like hoping the judges are on your side. And I just, it seems like a landmine waiting to happen a little bit. So, yes, I see enough advantages with Pena, the age, the the reach that I'm going to pick her here, Cole. But, you know, I think there's better spots. Kevin Scott, these two ladies always find a way to lose fights. They're winning tough call. Yeah, that's for sure. Dan Edwards, Pena by sheer toughness. That's kind of what I'm thinking too. He goes, when in Delgo with youth and toughness. Yep. I thought they caught Renault. Did they call? I thought she's still on the roster, didn't she? No, she's still. In the, she's actually. Not, is she ranked number ten? Is she ranked in in the UFC uh, bantamweight division? Let me take a look. Bantamweight division is terrible. Is she ranked? Let me. Do, I gotta look at this. Marion Renault, one thirty-five, number ten in the world. Kevin, she's not caught. Kevin, she's number ten in the world at age forty-three. That's incredible, Cole. She's actually turning forty-four this year. You know, and again, I'm not throwing a shade at her, man. I think it's amazing that she's in the UFC Renault at age forty-three and, and still performing. But she hasn't won. Actually, she hasn't won a fight since she's turned 40, right? So I just think that the age, anyone, actually, even male fighter, I'd be betting against them for the most part at that age. Like Matt Brown, all these guys, Damian Maya, but especially in the women's bandweight division, you have to bet against the age. So, again, Pena by decision, that's my pick. Maybe I'm talking myself into a bet. I just don't think I could do it, guys. It's hard to trust Pena, especially after that last fight. I think, did we both have her call? I can't remember against – no, no, we, no I had Durand me. Never mind. I had Durand me. She was winning that fight, though, and she almost won and just gets choked out. So too many mistakes, Paul, that it's like I work really hard for my money. Do I want to put my money on, on someone like Pena that makes these bonehead mistakes in her fight? I don't know about that. All right, next up, uh, second last prelim, Brad Tavares against Antonio Carlos Jr. This is an interesting fight, uh, Cole. Right now we have close odds, Tavares minus 135, Carlos Jr. plus 115. Who's your pick? Yeah, this is a tough fight to call just because I think both guys – I've struggled recently. Like, obviously, uh, Tavares won the distance to Israel Adesanya. Not a bad loss. And gets knocked out by Shabazi. And Carlos Jr. loses two decisions to Ian Heinish and Uriah Hall, where he just kind of faded. Like, he couldn't get the takedowns. And he just – he had a lot of uh, – he struggled a lot. Like, this is a fight where if Carlos Jr. can get Tavares down early, like, maybe he does pull out something. But I trust Tavares' ground game enough. Where I think even if he gets down, I think he can keep himself in some good spots. I'll take Brad Tavares here by decision. I think the first round is going to be a bit rough. I do expect Carlos Jr. to probably get him down, have some moments on the ground. But after that, I think Tavares is going to be able to work him on the feet, keep it standing, land the better shots, win the second and third round, win a decision. It's and This is another one where I don't really know if I'm confident, even though the line is low to bet them, just because they're two inconsistent guys on a two-fight losing streak. Like You don't really know. Tavares hasn't fought since November 2019. Uriah Hall hasn't fought since September 2019. Like We haven't seen them in a while, so maybe one of them had major improvements that we haven't seen, but I'll pick Tavares by decision. So I grabbed these comments from the last Friday. I missed them. Uh, Babel fan says, Renault's fighting Chason. Yep, and Kevin Saad said he confused Renault and Chason. Uh, Daniel says the whole family division needs to quit Ducky Pinion. Okay, I'll get my thoughts on this one, but this comment's hilarious. Shoeface losing to Dan, Dad's Army Kelly is one of my biggest WTF ever. Yeah, that was crazy. I remember that fight when he fought Dan Kelly, and he was pretty much dominating the fight, and then Kelly just won in the third round. Kelly had a lot of wins by being a tough guy, but not young and tough, uh, Daniel Edwards, who mentioned that comment. Youth and toughness. He was old and tough. The dad bod. So it's that's the sport. Anyways, I got to be honest, Cole, I have a different take on this fight than you. I have a much different take because I actually really like Junior in this fight. I, I like him a lot. I I think I'm going to bet on him for sure because there's there's one advantage I love, the five-inch reach advantage. That's freaking huge. You can me? That's massive. 
I, I think that's going to be Maskless fight. I realize he's not necessarily a striker, but I still think reach in general is a, a good thing to have. It, it's harder for the other guy to hit you too. So I think in general, that's, that's a huge advantage. Brad Tavares is older as well. Brad Tavares has been, he's been knocked out too often in, in his career. I think uh, a little bit lately with the Whitaker fight, Boge, and like, I, I don't trust his chin a lot either. I'm not saying Junior will finish him, but you know, if anyone's going to get a knockout, if he's going to get his first like real knockout in the UFC, it'll be against a guy like Tavares who has a, a bad chin. But I think in general, he'll try to take the fight to the ground. Um, looking at the takedown defense, Tavares is, is good. Don't get me wrong, it's good. It's almost 80%. He's got good takedown defense. But Carlos Jr. is one of those guys that spams takedowns, and I think eventually he'll get into the ground. On the ground, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough for uh, Tavares to, to hang with him for 15 minutes. I know Tavares, you know, as far as submission losses, never been submitted in the UFC anyways, but I still think that Jr. is just going to be dominant with the wrestling on the ground. And, uh, yeah, he did lose his last two fights, but they were honestly pretty competitive fights. So, you know, I think this is going to be uh, another win for him. And uh, for me, it's a, it's a fade on Tavares. He hasn't fought. Like you said, both guys haven't fought in a while, but Tavares especially doesn't really fight much often anymore and uh, taking a lot of damage in his career. There's just too many negatives against him where I'm going to go with, uh, with, the, with the youth and take Carlos. I'll take him to win a decision. What do you guys think of that fight? Give me your comments on that one. I hear what people th- say about this one because me and Cole are cl- completely opposite on this fight. DJ Hooligan, love the show, guys. Really appreciate the insight. Hey, man, we love having you in the chat. But, yeah, I'd like to hear what Marcel thinks and Daniel, if you guys want to give your thoughts on that uh, Tavares Jr. fight. But to me, Cole, it's just like I'm shocked that Tavares, by the way, is still ranked. Like the guy hasn't fought forever. It's just crazy to me. Okay, um, last prelim of the night, Armin Tosukin against Nazrite Hakbaras, a.k.a. Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, he really does look like him. Uh <laughs> Odds uh, minus 290 for Armin, plus 245 for Nazrat. And I should point out that Nazrat in his last fight was a, was a minus 300 favorite. So the odds have completely flipped on him. He's 600 cent difference, Cole, <laughs> between the two fights. What are your thoughts on this one, man? That's a crazy line, right? Well, I mean, you have to look at who he's fighting. I think Armin Sarukian's the real deal. I think the UFC's kind of given up on Nazrat as their <laughs> lightweight prospect. His um, debut couldn't have gone worse. Loses to Marcin Elder, where he just didn't look good at all. Then he rallies off three straight. A shocking knock loss to True Dober. And then even last fight, when he says mass favorite against Alex Munoz, didn't look like that at all. Munoz had a lot of moments in that fight with Saruki, and I just think his grappling is going to be way too much. Like, you look, his UFC debut came against Islam Makachev, and Saruki was very competitive in that fight. Like, that was a really close fight. And then he goes out there, dominates Libya and Oben Mercier, and then really puts it to Davy Hamos which was a good win just because of how good his jiu-jitsu is. I don't really see a path of victory for Nazad. I think Nazad basically has to knock out Sarukian, but he doesn't really have that much dog power. Like, you look at his wins, a lot of them are by decision. I think Sarukian has good enough chin where even if he gets hit, he's going to survive it. Just use his grappling. Just really grind at Hackrass and win a decision. I don't really see him finishing Hackrass. Hackrass is pretty durable on the ground, but I'll take Sarukian by decision. I got these comments from the last fight, and then I'll go with my thoughts on this one. Uh, Daniel says, uh, had Shoeface with betting odds three off. That always happens. <laughs> Battle fan. Taking Shoeface, Edwards, they will take – he has Shoeface as a dog, but it scares me. Kevin's taking shoe, taking Tavares because Shoeface, Shoeface is bad at cardio. Yeah, that's a big problem. <laughs> that's definitely the – that's why he's the underdog, guys. But, you know, again, the grappling, I think, is going to be huge. And Battle fan, a.k.a. Marcel, says, I want to take uh, Tarsuki 100%. I like this fight, too. Both good prospects. Actually, I remember when this was announced. I'm pretty sure you like me and Cole are sending DMs. You talk about fights. I'm pretty sure you sent this one. And we were like, "Holy crap, that's a good fight!" 
you know, I'm kind of with you. They must have given up on Hackfrost, even though he's only, what, 25? Like, he's still super young. But, you know, the loss to Dober, um, the loss to Held, uh, he's only 3-2 and two in the UFC and kind of struggled a little bit. But, you know, he is a good striker. He does have some advantage in this fight. He's taller. He's southpaw. That helps as well. You know, look at if you look at the stats, he lands more often. That helps too. Here's the thing. Tarsukian, the difference is he is so fast. He is so evasive. We saw that in the, the Ramos fight. Ramos couldn't even touch him. He couldn't even get close to him. He stuffed almost every takedown, actually stuffed every takedown, kept the fight standing, and, and just pieced, pretty much pieced the guy apart. That's pretty much how I see this fight going. I, I think the speed difference is going to be the biggest difference here. I don't love the odds, though, Cole. I, I, I think it's, you know, people are sleeping on the hack press a little bit here. I understand he got knocked out by Dober last year. It was a huge upset, but he was, like, minus 400 in that fight. Like, and then the last fight, he's minus 300 and he won that fight. So now the odds switched this much. That's always a red flag to me. So, yes, I'm taking Sarsuki. I think he probably wins a decision here. Like you said, Cole, I'm kind of with you on that. But the odds are pretty high. So I would you know, I, I would take a deeper look into this one. I wouldn't blindly just fade half press. You know, he's fighting a guy who's about the same age as him. He's fighting a guy with the same reach. It's probably going to be a little bit more competitive than people think. But I still think Sarsuki probably wins the decision at the end of 15. Okay. Time for the main card, Cole. We'll start with the first fight on the main card. Marina Rodriguez against Amanda Rebus. Right now, Rebus minus 300, Rodriguez plus 250. Who's your pick in this one, Cole? I have to, Amanda. He was just because Marina Rodriguez, <clears throat> Marina Rodriguez has a terrible ground game. Like, I don't know how they haven't drilled that or trained it. Every single fight, it does not improve. She, like, she, after the random Marcos fight, like her coaches at least just should have sat around and just drilled takedowns after takedowns after takedowns. Like that was why she had a draw against random Marcos. She looks so good. And then she gets 10, eight all the time. That's what happened to Cynthia Calvillo. Carlos Sparza like just took her down at will. I think Amanda Hebus can take her down and this might not actually be a popular pick, but I actually think can uh, submit a Marino Rodriguez. I know Rodriguez has never been finished, but I think Rebus's ground game is a lot better than what Cynthia Calvillo, Randomar's, Carlos Spars' game is because their wrestling is more just for position where they just want to hold and win the round, where Amanda Hebus looks for that finish. She submitted Paige Van Zandt in the first round, submitted Emily Whitmire. I I think like it might be worth a little small stab just because it is plus money, but I do like Amanda Hebus no matter what. I think she's just going to use her grappling just to really uh, grind out this fight if she doesn't submit her. Kevin Scott, Rebus fan club. Rebus fan club. Yeah, I mean, Kevin's one of the highest people. I remember when he, when she fought Paige, I was like, man, these odds are crazy, guys. And Kevin was the first guy that was like, no, she's going to destroy her, and she did. So, yeah, I mean, that fight was kind of the one where I felt – I mean, listen, the fight where she fought during the beat her, that was, that was impressive. And that's kind of where I was like, okay, she's, she's good. But until she went out there and beat Paige the way she did, I didn't really see her as a massive contender. Now I do. I think she's legit. I like everything about Mandarinas, guys. I, I think all of us do. I mean, I think most male MMA fans probably have a crush on her at this point. I mean, she's – great fighter and she's hilarious in her interviews great personality so there's just a lot to like about her it's pretty clear the ufc likes her they love her i think they want to build her as a star here this is not an easy fight i think it is going to be a more competitive fight than some people suggest because maria rodriguez is extremely tall for this division it's six foot or five foot six but the biggest problem is you know her reach advantage which she has in almost all of her other fights doesn't have that here rebus actually has the reach on her so Yes, she's going to be taller, but the reach won't be there. And, and that's what I'm looking at. I think Rebus ducks down under her arms, gets her legs, takes her to the ground. Uh, Rodriguez, like you said, Cole, the takedown defense, just it's not there. It's not there against someone with good takedowns. Five takedowns against uh, Esparza. 
three against Cynthia Calvillo. That's why she lost those fights. They were close fights. She lost because she got taken down. I think the same thing happens here. I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive than people think. I think it goes the distance, Cole. Rodriguez has proven she's pretty durable. But I do think Rios will win the decision at the end of 15. So the odds on that, Rebus by decision. What is that? Plus 120, not great odds. Plus 210 for inside the distance. So I can see why Cole's taking a stab at it. But yeah, you got to go with Rebus. Kevin Scott, Rebus by decision. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. DJ Hooligan, Rebus has been the favorite in this one in her past three fights. Yeah, I think people know she's good now, man. No doubt about it. Babel fan, not going to pick against my future wife, Amanda. I think that's Cole's future wife, Amanda. Sorry, Kevin's future wife, Amanda. All you guys in the chat. I'm engaged now, guys. So, I mean, I, I can just admire her from, from the outside, right? But uh, you guys can you guys can go uh, fight over Mrs. Uh, Amanda Rebus's finger. Okay, next up, we have Matt Frevel against Otman Azatar. I like this fight, Cole. It's a fun one. Minus 155 for Otman and plus 135 for Matt Frevel. What, what do you think of this fight, Cole? Interesting matchup. Yeah, it's really interesting. Just because obviously Ottman, look at what he's done. First round knocking over Conor Worthy. First round knocking over Timo Paklin. This guy just finishes everyone in the first round. Matt Favola, though, I think there is a path to victory for Matt Favola. If he can survive that first round, we haven't seen what Azatar's gas tank's like. We've seen Favola can really just grind guys out and win those second and third rounds after losing the first round. But I do think Azatar is going to land and probably knock him out Favola in the first. Just because Favola does get hit a lot. Like, even when... Like, Paul Reyes knocked out in the first round. In that draw against Lando Bonata, Lando hit him a ton. Even Jalen Turner and Luis Pena, he was getting hit a lot. It was really, like, I just think Azatar's power is something else. A lightweight, Frivola gets hit too much for me, so I'll pick Azatar by knockout in the first or second. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually with you on that one, too. Uh, listen, Matt Frevolo is a decent fighter, man. He's got that grinding ability. He's won fights as a dog in the UFC. He's been pretty good in the UFC. Like, I remember he fought Jaden Turner. I was surprised he won that fight because I was so high in Turner. I still am, actually. But it just shows that he has that grinding ability. The biggest problem I have with Frevolo in this fight, he didn't fight at all last year, and it wasn't his fault. One of his tournament tested positive. He, he, I think I can't remember who it was. Was it Corantillo, I think, who tested positive? He, got, he had to pull out the fight with Camacho, which he would have won. And then the Roosevelt Roberts fight, which he would have won, he broke his foot. So I mean, this guy just had a miserable 2020, but he hasn't fought in over a year. That that worries me. Azatar, meanwhile, had the had uh, the one fight last year and didn't fight that off that much, one minute and 33 seconds. But we saw once again the power against Kama Worthy, a guy who looked excellent in the UFC. In fact, his last five wins are by strikes in the first round. So it really does come down to Cole. Does he get him out of the first round? Does it go late? Does uh, Frevola survive and, and grind him out for decision? I think that's pretty much the only way, two ways this fight goes, Cole. Azatar by first round KO or Frevel by decision. I don't really see the fight going either way. So maybe, you know, you, you take a look at those two props and, and play it off each other. But I do like Azatar in this fight, guys. I have to lean towards him. Um, just the power. Just the power alone. And we saw what, what uh, you know, Polo Reyes did to Frevel, a guy with decent power, not great power. And uh, there's no reason I don't think that Azatar can't do the same thing. I understand that was a few years ago and Frevel was a much better fighter. Now I, I will give him that credit, but I still think that if Azatar touches him, Cole, he's the one of those guys with that special KO power, Cole. Like, he touches him the chin, you're done. So that's what I think happens here. I'm going to get these comments here. Uh, first off, Babel fan says he will challenge Cole to a thumb wrestling contest for Amanda Rebus's heart. That's going to be funny. Uh, DJ Hooligan, the, ste- the bulldozer versus the steamroller. That's right, man. That must have been why they made the fight. Babel fan, Frevola fell in love with striking. That's a big red flag against Azatar. Frevola, 6 week ground game can win this. I agree with that. Daniel Edwards seems to be a theme with these KO artists winning by points. So be careful with the props in this card. That's true too. We've seen a lot of that lately. Edwards, COVID robbed us of, of knockouts. 
Ottman's takedown defense is 100% going this fight. Frevelo's going to have a hard time taking Ottman down. I mean, yeah, but you're, how many fights did he have for his sample, though? Like, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. But I don't come this, work. Definitely he, one, he had two fights against uh, two guys that couldn't even – I don't think they attempted to take them, did they? Yeah. Let me take a look. The, like, Timo no. even won when he was rocked. Timo, he did attempt one when he got rocked, yes, and he got KO'd. So, yeah, I mean, you got to look at the sample size, too. It's it's worth pointing out stats, but, you know, he, he basically had one takedown against a guy that he stuffed. The guy was rocked. So, I mean, I don't think it's the best way to look at his takedown defense. But from what we've seen, it is perfect. So, you got a point there. I just think – Frevola is a much better wrestler than those guys, no doubt about it. Okay, next up we have a women's uh, flyweight boat call between Jessica I and Joanne Calderwood. These guys, these women don't like each other. Joanne Calderwood, man. <laughs> you saw that interview with James a few weeks ago, Cole. She's like, I want to beat her up. I want to take her down there and beat her up. I want the fans to cheer as I beat up Jessica I. And I posted that article. I was laughing. No one, I think a lot of fans don't like Jessica. I don't say no one does because people do, but a lot of fans don't like her, man. You know, it's, it, I don't know what it is about Jessica, but some fans just. They got a problem with it for some reason. I think maybe they'll go back to that the positive marijuana test a few years ago, Cole, where she was like, I, I wasn't smoking any weed or something like that. So I think that's kind of where where she like lied to the media. And I think some fans were upset about that. But I digress. As far as this fight goes, the odds right now, again, very competitive. Minus 120 for JoJo, plus 100 for the evil eye. What's your thoughts on this one? First off, why is this fight on the main card? There is... Yeah, I know the UFC likes to have women on the main card, but you already have Hevis Rodriguez. You could have done Saruki and Hackgrass. You could have done Tavares Carlos Jr. If you just wanted a quick knockout before the co-main main event, you could have put Khalil Roundtree fight. I don't know why. Don't expect this fight to be good. Both them. This is the definition of being a better. You don't have to bet every fight. There's no way in hell I'm betting either side of this just because both of them are so inconsistent. Jessica, I pulls out not a big underdog spotting Viviana Rougeau. And she just has the capability of making fights really close and really boring, like the Cade Chukagian one. And then with Joanne Caldwood, like she has these fights of a similar Chukagian and Andrew Lee where it's not that competitive or it's not that like interesting to watch. I'll pick Joanne Caldwood by decision, but I just think she's a bit better of a striker. I think her grappling's a bit better. I don't really know where this fight's going to take place. Like, it could be a whole 15 minutes of grappling. It could be 15 minutes of striking. Like, I really don't know what these two, but I'll pick Caldwell by decision, but no way I'm betting either side. So we got the comments here. Uh, Kevin Scott, why is I in the pay-per-view main card? To give us a quick nap. This is, this is the the, uh, the fight where you can take a smoke break if you smoke, which I don't, or you can take the dog for a walk. Because I think this fight's going to be really boring, personally. Kevin Scott, I don't like I. You know. Yeah, whereas JoJo doesn't do well in grudge matches. I's been more impressive. Babel fan. Don't dislike I, but I think she talks too much. She can't back her talk up. That's why people don't like her. And the fight screen split decision. I agree completely with that. I see your comments, Jose. I'll answer those after we do the breakdown. I'll quickly answer them. Um, as far as this fight goes, Cole, I mean, to me, it's another one of these stay away from fights, unfortunately. Like, I, I lean towards Calderwood so slightly, Cole, like you, and I think the odds are, like, minus 120, I think that's actually really, really accurate, because that's how I lean it. Like, you know, like, what, 50 something percent, 55% less than that. So it's a slight lean towards Calderwood just because I do think she's the better striker. And if you look at the stats, the strikes landed per minute, that's the biggest thing for me. 6.17 strikes landed per minute, significant strikes landed per minute to 3.65. That's almost double. That's actually extremely high output for a uh, women's uh, flyweight. So her output is out of this world, Joanne Calderwood's on the feet. Now, at the same time, the ground game, we saw that in the last fight, Cole. We saw that a few times in her career. 
you know, if she goes to the ground with I, she could be in trouble. I'm not saying I is amazing on the ground, but I think that she probably does have the better submissions if you have if if I have to guess. But in general, I think the fight stays standing. And on the feet, Jessica, I, I think she's probably gonna get picked apart and lose the decision. I just there's no way I can battle these two women. They're way too inconsistent, Cole. I can't do it, man. I gotta stay away from it. And like Babel fan says, this screams split decision. I agree. This this could be one of those fights where everyone's like, okay, Calderwood's gonna win, guys. And then the judges give I the split decision because she was the aggressor or some reason. I don't know. It just it's one of those fights that does kind of worry me, Cole, because the judges will be involved in a close fight. So that's scary. UFC or uh, Dan Weber says UFC trying to get I a spot in Rogan's podcast. Oh, really? That's cool. I don't listen to Rogan's podcast, I'll be honest, man. Uh, co main event Dan Hooker against Michael Chandler. Cole, here we go. Finally, we get to the meat and potatoes of the card. Dan Hooker minus 130, Michael Chandler plus 110. Who's your pick? This is such a good fight. Such you guys give me your thoughts in the comments too. I want to hear what everyone has to say about this fight. Go ahead, Cole. This is uh, such a good fight, but I truly believe Michael Chandler is as good as he says he is. I think Michael Chandler wins this fight. I think. Michael Chandler is a top three lightweight in the UFC, a top, a top five at least. Like I, I think him versus Gaethje, I would have a hard time picking, but I just think he matches up so well against Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker, I don't really know if Dan Hooker is that top guy. Aaron seems to think he is just because look at who he's beat. He beat James Vick. Okay, everyone beats James Vick. Ally Quinta, like, is that really a good win? Beating Paul Felder, uh, that is a really good win. Paul Felder, I think, is a top ten lightweight, but before that, like that. Brood when he got absolutely beat down by Edson Barboza, then Dustin Poirier, like he obviously has such a good chin. I don't expect either guy to be able to finish either one. Both of them have pretty solid chins, but I just think Michael Chandler is a bit more explosive on the feet. Will use his wrestling. I just think he's going to be a, be able to mix the wrestling in to get the timely takedowns, just score some points that way. And then with his striking, I just think Hooker's going to be looking for that knockout shot, or where Chandler's just going to be a bit more active on the feet. Where I think he, I think he, this fight goes to inside. I like Michael Chandler by decision. I just think the wrestling and, the, and his volume is going to be the difference. Kevin Scott, Chandler by decision. Dan Weber's. I got a feeling Chandler gets it done. What was it for? I think Gaethje's an easier fight than Hooker for Chandler. I like Michael Chandler a lot in this fight, guys. I, he's a bet. He's going to be a bet for me at plus money. I believe in him. I've always have. Don't get me wrong. Dan Hooker, this is a tough matchup. There's things to like about Dan Hooker. He's tall. He's six feet. He's six feet. Four-inch reach advantage. He switches his stance. He's extremely durable. We've seen that. Dan Hooker's a great fighter, man. I like Dan Hooker a lot. This is just a tough fight, I think, because Michael Chandler is an absolute beast. And I think that, you know, as someone who's watched his entire career, literally I've seen his entire career. I even have his fight, and Marcel, we talked about the Strike Force DVDs, Marcel. He had that fight against, uh, which, which I think this is the card. Let me double check here. Yeah, Michael Chandler fought this guy, Sal Woods, at Strike Force St. Louis. And uh, I have that on DVD. So I've actually seen him fight since the beginning. Like I've, I've since even Strike Force, even before Bellator. And throughout Bellator, I've watched his entire career. And I remember the fight with Eddie Alvarez very well. Same night as Hendo Shogun. I mean, it was an incredible performance. And after that, he went on a nice run. You know, he looked great. The problem was obviously the, the fight with the second fight with Eddie. I thought he won that fight. The, the fights with Will Brooks were what soured people on him. The fight with Brian Primus. And then, of course, the fight with Bitbull last year or two years ago, we got KO'd. So he, there's some issues with him. I mean, he could be finished. There's no doubt about it. But to me, it looks like he's really improved his game. He's training at a great camp. And the guy has thunder in his hands. We saw that in the last two fights against Outlaw and Benson Henderson. Two guys are difficult to finish. Knock them both out. Dan Hooker is very durable. We all know that. We've all seen him fight. But he gets hit a ton. 
He gets hit a lot. And in his last fight, he absorbed over 150 shots against Paul Felder, absorbed over 100 shots. I mean, the guy is just – look at the fight with Edson Barboza. People forget that fight. I think that's what this fight looks like. I think that Hooker's going to be aggressive. He's going to walk forward. But I think Chandler will be faster. I think he'll be the more technical striker. And I think he actually finishes Dan Hooker possibly. Cool. I think he can finish him. So um, if not a decision, but I actually think he might finish Dan Hooker in this fight. I think he's just going to throw a lot of body shots just like Barboza did and put him out. So love the matchup. But plus money on Michael Chandler, guys, you won't you won't see that again for a, a lot longer if he finishes him in this fight. So I got to go with Michael Chandler, guys. Battle fan, close fight, in my opinion. I think Chandler could win, but I don't see him winning against anyone above Hooker. He's going to pick Hooker by decision. That's interesting. Battle fan, I feel Chandler should have came to UFC three years early. Yes, I agree with that too. And Marcus Williams, hey, Marcus, he likes the size and reach for Hooker. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He does have that advantage. And you guys know that's an Adam Martin special. Anytime a guy's taller and longer, you know I love it, guys, but and younger too. So he's got a lot of advantage. There's no doubt about it. I'm just a huge believer in Michael Chandler Cole. And I think when the skill is the same, that's when um the reach comes into play. I think in this fight, Chandler's actually a much more skilled fighter. Better wrestler, more powerful striker. I think he wins this fight probably by KO, actually. Although I'll be looking at the method a little bit more. It's very important because I'm in a pool where you have to pick the method. So I'll be looking at this fight more. But right now I'm Man, after the amount of damage that Hooker took in that last fight, Cole, it really worries me coming in this fight. I think it's one of those fights that literally could change his career. And same with Dustin, too. And he took a lot of damage, too. All right, that's it for this fight. we got a few minutes left, and we got to go through the main event here. Conor McGregor against Dustin Poirier. I want to go look at the opening odds quickly, Cole. Minus 175, plus 150. And now it's at minus 325, plus 265. The line's going up every day. I just saw a tweet from uh, Dave Mason at Bet Online. 23 fighters on the card, other fighters. More money on Conor McGregor combined than all the other fighters in the card combined. So the lines are going to keep going up, Cole. It might close at minus 400 at this point. I don't see it really going under 300. So if you wanted to get McGregor at minus 175, you won't get that price anymore. Cole, give me your pick in the main event of UFC 257. Well, yeah, just touch on the quick. It, yeah. Like, it's not surprise. Like, yeah, every casual fan, like, even all my friends are just throwing money on Conor McGregor because they're like, oh, he's probably going to win. Like, yeah, everyone just blindly. And the thing, too, with the Conor McGregor, too, is that is people throw him in parlays with other sports because they just see his yeah. name and they're like, oh, I'll just throw Connor into this like football parlay or whatever. But I like Connor Gregor a lot in this fight. I think he knocks Poirier out in like the first or second round. I Poirier's chin is a lot better at lightweight, but I think Connor's power is something else. And I do think there is a big mental side of this fight where Poirier knows Connor can knock him up with one punch and Connor's felt Poirier's power and it didn't do anything to him. So I don't know really know how Poirier's going to do in the exchanges knowing he's already been knocked out to this guy with one shot like i don't think it's gonna be a 60 second knockout like connor's saying but the problem with Porte is look at the dan hooker fight he gets hit a lot i think if Con- connor just needs to land like a couple and he Porte is going out Porte gets hit a lot like gagey alvarez he gets hit a ton even max holloway was hitting him a lot like I just think Connor's power is something else. I think he's eventually going to land in that first or second round and knock Poirier out again. I love this fight, guys. I really love it. You know, I just finished my breakdown of it. It's going to be posted at Oddsbreaker today, so definitely check that out. But, the, like, looking into Dustin Poirier, I just forgot how many, like, quality wins he really does have. Like, Cole, his resume is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, Anthony Pettis, Max Holloway. His his resume is unbelievable. But Connor's is actually even better, which is, um, which is the crazy thing. Because you look at who he beat, Holloway. Mendes, Aldo, Nate Diaz, Alvarez, Cerrone. I would argue it's even better. So, and Poirier, of course, when they fought head to head. I remember the first fight very well at UFC 178. I had a parlay of McGregor 
and Kat Zingano. She fought Amanda Nunez. She got her ass kicked, came back and won in the third round. And McGregor had an easy win. So I remember that card really vividly. McGregor's amazing. We all know that his power is incredible. The ground game is something that leaves to be desired. If Poirier can survive the first round or two and take this fight in deep waters, I think he can win the fight because I think he'll have a better ground game, better cardio, et cetera. Cole, I don't think he can survive it, dude. I think I think Dustin gets finished in the first round again, or second round, maybe. Um, I love Dustin. He's made so many improvements to the game. He is a great fighter, man. He'll probably be in the Hall of Fame one day. I have a lot of respect for him. I just think that Conor McGregor is a special guy, special athlete, special knockout power. He has the reach advantage. He has he's a, he's got a lot of like just in my opinion, the more power in this fight. But is a good boxer, don't get me wrong, but I think Connor's got the, the more devastating one punch KO power. As long as he keeps the fight standing, he'll win this fight. You know, so my pick's gonna be Conor McGregor at first round knockout call. But I will say this: I think the odds are a little too high at this point. I, I don't like the odds at minus three twenty-five, guys. It's to me a little bit too high. You know, I I would only play Connor if he was like around what he opened at minus two hundred. He's actually a bigger favorite now than he was against Donald Cerrone. I don't really agree with that. That doesn't make much sense to me. So a little uh, confused by that. But again, I, I know what Cole's saying. Everyone's blind to parlay, and people are probably gonna do this. They'll parlay. The Chiefs, Packers, and McGregor this weekend. Cool. They might just do that. A three three team parlay with two footballs and one. Oh, oh you think they're gonna win? I hope so, dude. I'm just saying I think a lot of people will probably, you know, yeah, blindly. And the Chiefs actually, that's the only minus three in that game. So maybe that's not a bad example. But you know what I'm saying? They're gonna you're right, Cole. They will parlay with other sports, basketball, etc. So he'll get a lot more money on them. DJ Hogan, my favorite Connor quote leading up to this Dustin Grayfire great is still leagues below me. Battle fan, expect Dustin to trade with Connor and get the finished again by KO. Hope he has a smart game plan. DJ Hogan, missed again. Mystic Mass game plan. First rock, first round knockout with some 60 seconds. Yeah, I'm with you guys on that. I think he gets finished quick. I'm gonna take these questions from Jose and we're gonna get out of here. We went through an hour quick. Well, it was awesome, man. Really quick questions from Jose. Who should Felipe fight next? Did you put it in your article? You didn't have him, obviously. But any any thoughts on who he could fight? Hmm. Like Tanner Boser, would that be a good fight? Something like that? It's going to be someone outside the rankings. Yeah, like, exactly. I, is Orlovsky ranked? Maybe Orlovsky? Orlovsky fighting Aspinall. Oh, that's right, yes. Maybe the winner of that? I don't really know. I like Felipe, though, man. He's actually pretty good. And he has another question. It's two Vesa versus Maze. Is that, is that fight happening, Cole, or is he, is he asking about that one? No, it is happening. It is happening? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that because they're both fade material, if anything, so it's tough. Anyways, the last second question to throw him in here, but we have a minute left. Cole, plug your stuff, man. Uh, Twitter, Aquashell91, uh, Fighter Picks with McGregor Poirier will be out today. Uh, with, with my interview with Dan Hooker today, Fighter Picks for Hooker Chandler is out tomorrow. And I just did uh, props, the props I like for the card on SPD. So that's on my Twitter as well. On Twitter, at Martin Podcast, maoddsweeger.com. It's on our YouTube channel. Please like, share, subscribe. I'm trying to get more people in the chat. We are lately, which is amazing. I love that. Love talking to you guys. It's so much fun. Love Cole. Loves it too. We love the interaction. Um, so again, download the podcast, listen to it. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday now at 10 a.m. I'll be back on Monday at 10 a.m. If Babel fan wants to join me and we want to recap the card, you're welcome to come with me, Babel fan. So let me know in a DM, buddy. Um, but in the meantime, follow me on uh, Twitter, bjpen.com, mmarings.net, odds.com. And uh, we got, what, 30 seconds left? Pretty much it. DJ Lewis says, thanks, guys. Have a good day. No problem, man. We, we love having you, dude. It's always fun to talk about uh, MMA with you guys and anyway that's it for today's podcast guys appreciate everyone tuning in and Marcel says he wants to come on Monday so Marcel will join me at Monday 10 a.m 4 p.m his time I think he's got the day off Monday so he'll join me then and Cole you'll be back with me Tuesday to break down actually no you won't be back with you will you Cole 
you, you can if you want. It's up to you, Cole. But there's no card next week, which is crazy. But I'll be back Monday to recap uh, UFC 257. Guys, have a great day. Talk to you soon.